Hi, Grow Kinder listeners. It's Andrea. And Tia. And Shauna. Hi, everyone. Wow, it feels like it's been so long since we've all been in this podcast room together. I know. I was thinking, like, the last time we were here, it really felt like the pandemic was on the way out. Like, we were really going to get a hold on COVID-19. Of course, things uh, have changed significantly, but here we are still (laughs) uh, dealing with a lot of effects. We're in a very large room distanced from each other. And I've just been thinking about uh, how long it's been and yet how many things have stayed the same that we might not have expected. Yes. So speaking of, how how have things been for each of you? I had my second child start kindergarten. Yay. This year it was an interesting start to kindergarten, um, and then of course a return to in-person learning. So my older kid uh, is in such a better mental and emotional space actually with the in-person learning that uh, I can't even describe it. It was the online learning became very isolating and rough for my older one. But I think overall, uh, you know, we've really valued the time that we've been able to spend together during the pandemic as things have continued to be shut down we feel lucky that we were able to have that time together i think similarly it it feels a a little like getting back to kind of normalcy um yesterday i actually just signed up my younger son for his vaccine which he'll be getting on saturday and i was so excited (laughs) to be able to do that for him and then the other big change is my mother is staying with us for six months because she had knee replacement surgery and she's actually lives in Southern California, but she's older. And so people have always told me there's a moment in time when you get older where the roles kind of change and you're actually the parent of your parent. And I feel like that's kind of happening. So um, yeah, so it's interesting and fun. What about you, Shauna? Well, uh, my child is 20 and our roles haven't changed yet. I'm still the boss of her, even though she bosses me around a lot. I think she would probably say you are not the boss of her, so (laughs) maybe don't let her listen. She is um, back at the University of Washington, going to in-person classes, which she loves. She's living in a house with uh, six or seven other people, which she loves. So I'm happy for her because I think she's really thriving in that environment. That communal college thing. I remember uh, that even in high school, I had friends that had begun more uh, living with six or seven other people. And that's such an interesting time in your life when you sort of get away from uh, the home that you've known and try to build your own little community. It's exciting to, that she's at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love hearing her little adventures. So what, what have you all been up to from a work perspective? What's, what's going on that we should share with the listeners? Not that much. <laughs> uh, well, we just finished the Captain Compassion campaign um, that we kicked off in October, coinciding with National Bullying Prevention Month. So that was really exciting. Um, and then we've just been doing a lot of work on the research and development side of just you know looking at our programs and particularly looking at it from an equity framework and how we can, you know, revise content to do that a little bit better. I have been, of course, uh, Shauna, as you and I have been working a lot on on this, thinking and taking more action around uh, really helping those that we work with understand what social-emotional learning is and what it isn't and why it is incredibly beneficial to 
each child to get social emotional supports both at home and in school and in other areas of their lives. And um, I think we're at a really interesting time in the field of social emotional learning as people start to uh, really dive in, investigate what social emotional learning is, what it does for them and their families, and try to uh, understand some of the new challenges that have emerged uh, around social emotional learning from uh, framing that I think is driven a lot by misinformation, unfortunately. So I've just been thinking a lot about and trying to work with others to understand the pathways to getting good, accurate information and the wealth of research around the benefits of social emotional learning into the hands of those that really need to know about it so that they can have access to the tools that they need for their community, their homes, um, and their schools. So that's what I have, that's been a lot of my last several months. Yeah, very important work. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about something news related that's grabbed your attention that you can't stop thinking about. This could be current event. This could be something silly. What's something you've been thinking about that you want to share with our listeners? Well, I cannot not talk about BTS if we're going to talk about oh, current this events. This is shocking. This is a <laughs> shocking Tia Kim moment. And Andrea and Shauna know, but I got tickets to their concert in LA in Ooh. about a month, so I'm super excited. But um, recently they were um, in the media and news because they gave a speech at the UN General Council meeting. But really their message was about a mental health and you know, loving yourself and um, being kind to others and being kind to yourself. And I think they have such a large platform to talk about mental health issues and particularly how they might be dealing with some of those things as well. And I think um, it's nice for young people that have very large platforms to, you know, talk about that with other young people. BTS. BTS. Shocker. But it had to come up. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, your love of BTS knows no bounds, right? But there's such a surge in, in sort of international recognition of um, Korean pop culture right now. And we just finished Squid Game in our house, not, not for children of a young age, or maybe for squeamish adults, right? But um, you and I were talking about that the other day, too. And you told me you had related Squid Game, Squid Game to social-emotional learning. I did, because I actually, we act, this is going to sound really odd, but we watched it as a family. So I have a teenager, so I felt like, okay, it's pretty good. It probably wasn't, quite frankly, that probably appropriate for my 10-year-old, but it was a family thing that we were going to do, and um, both of them have seen so much of it on, um, like, social and, like, on the Internet, so they knew so much about it already. I had a conversation because my younger one was quite upset watching it, and we had a conversation around, like, just understanding, like, I think it's kind of a social commentary on humanity, right? And, like, if you become really desperate in this case, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, for money, um, there are certain things that you might do that you didn't think you were going to do. And just talking about, you know, from his place of privilege, you know, what does that mean and how is he going to contribute back to society, understanding that there are people that um, feel like that. Um, and so that's kind of how I related it back to SEL and thinking about social problem solving and being socially aware of people 
that have different circumstances than you and how that might impact their behavior. It's also like, how are your circumstances influencing your Correct. behavior and, and perspectives? That's interesting. I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to do that. <laughs> and yeah, I got you know, because it's about enjoy. perspective taking, right? Because yeah. he was like, I would never do those things. And I'm like, you would never because you've never been in that circumstance. But you have to put yourself in the shoes of other people that are in those kinds of circumstances, right? That they would feel that desperate to do something that maybe they wouldn't have if they were in your circumstance. So, I, you know, that was kind of like how I yeah. was trying to I just teach. Uh, practically am not making it through game one. <laughs> That's just what I know. <laughs> like you would die or you would give up? The, the first. Oh. <laughs> I just know it. I'm just, I'm just like, oh, no, these are, um, maybe I should brush up on my kids' games <laughs> or something. I, was like, I don't know how I would fare because, you know, I'm super, super competitive. I wouldn't want to face you. <laughs> so I do have one question for each of you about, about Squid Game. I think it is fascinating that it's become such a global phenomenon. Why do you think that is? I, I think from a, I think across cultures there is a fascination with human nature and what mm-hmm. people do in desperate circumstances. Yes. Um, you know, you think of like Lord of the Flies or these yeah. things like uh, Hunger Games or like these these sorts of things of like you're pitted against each other for some ultimate prize and your humanity's tested. Correct. And there's the usually the lone person who tries to hold the space of some moral ground, Mm -hmm. right, around humanity's base nature. And so I just think that's, like, really fascinating collectively for the world. I read, you know, the thing that um, the actual event that the Lord of the Flies was based on, um, it was a group of uh, boys who uh, were trying to go from one island to another. And those boys got lost for some significant amount of time, a year or whatever. And they did, they created a space to grow food they supported each other it actually was not at all the lord of the Flies scenario they were um able to they created a chore list they created a way they made decisions together and so um but i think we have a lot of examples of like sort of um humanity at its worst and and this is a a way that it kind of plays out in pop culture of trying to reconcile the things that we sort of struggle with yeah that's what I would say too I think it's a a storyline kind of around humanity and um, how in some ways it can be really negative and contest us in certain situations and I think every culture can kind of resonate with that so I can tie an SCL to anything <laughs> you clearly can <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know about like um me taking my my five or seven year old into a squid game conversation <laughs> but i'll i'll take the the note about being able to tie in sel to more yeah. <laughs> so uh mine is also kind of related to something i love i uh, am a communicator and i'm always thinking about uh the way that people communicate and what resonates what really you know hits and i've been reevaluating my relationship with social media lately and my social media consumption and the, the different platforms that I'm engaged with and why and the feelings I have sometimes after being on social media. And I uh, purchased a newspaper, a, a physical newspaper last weekend, and I read it over the weekend and it was great. And I felt really focused as I was reading it. Social media, there's so many things being thrown at you and you know, you, I find myself scrolling so quickly now. I'm not even giving the content a second. 
So it was nice to read something um, where I could just focus, yeah. Hmm. Is this your way of asking me to not send you TikTok videos? <laughs> uh, right please now. don't ever be stop. Like, si- uh, no, the only channel I can't quit is actually TikTok. I didn't want to say was, it. I was thinking to Andrea, I'm like, oh, this means Andrea can't watch TikTok uh, no. anymore. And I- has to read physical newspapers. <laughs> no, TikTok is a gem. Well, a gem. I, uh, we all know that there are uh, benefits <laughs> And uh, and challenges within the social media space, both from how they, how you are influenced, and also from how they use your data. And so I'm always like hyper aware of that. And also I uh, I love media and especially like educational entertainment is really interesting to me. I used to love, um, you know, ethnographic film and those kinds of things. And so I was just gonna say that you know you were talking about articles or things in the news. I just have uh, the secret love of all these really interesting, diverse opinions that come through on some social media platforms like TikTok, where you have people that have training and expertise and credentials and like they're, you know, they're at NASA and, you know, that are trusted sources. It's sort of, you know, like you can do your homework on them and, and see it there. So I was just thinking when you're talking about news about, um, the uniqueness of some of the news that I do get through social media, I, I find some of that valuable. And I have, um, in particular, enjoyed some um, creators who are teachers who do young child education because they explain concepts to me that I, as an adult, just I didn't get them in school. I think I'm a fairly smart person, but I just didn't get them. They didn't make sense. And so I, I now know so much about the different sort of time periods in geology that I could not take in <laughs> in school in the way they did it. with these like super smart early education teachers that are creating this content um, that's either science or history based. And I just love it. So it's not as relevant to specific in the news story, but just this kind of, um, I don't know, like democracy of content tools. I, I like it and I do think it presents other kinds of problems, but um, I get to hear, I get to hear people's uh, expertise applied to different news articles there, and I like that a lot. I think your feed is very different than my teenage thirteen-year-old son's <laughs> feed true. because when I look <laughs> over his shoulder, I'm like, "This is all trash." Like, right. I don't know what this content is, <laughs> or like, and I'm like, "Stop harding it because you're just going to get more bad." Yeah, content. maybe you're just not cool enough to <laughs> to get it. <laughs> you know, I have to say that you both always have such interesting perspectives on things I I really appreciate when we're in conversation together. Speaking of which, we should probably talk about the reason why we're all here, right? Our new mini season of the Grow Kinder podcast. I cannot wait to hear what you two have been working on. So tell our listeners a little bit about the topics that you're covering this season. So, you know, Andrea touched on this a little bit, but um, one of the topics is around social media use and particularly with kids. And I had a really great opportunity to have a conversation with a researcher, Vicki Rideout, who actually has done a ton of research on youth and children and their use of digital media and social media. And you know, her and her colleagues actually did this large survey with um, thousands of youth during the pandemic and just tried to get a, a sense of you know, how they were using social media and whether or not it was kind of having harmful effects or positive effects. And actually, um, 
her findings really surprised me. You know, I, as you both know, I'm not on social media for my own reasons. My kids are not allowed on social media for different reasons. But, um, you know, my understanding was always that social media, we hear this a lot kind of in the research field, in the field in general, has really negative impacts on kids. And what she found was that actually it, it could be very positive and very supportive. And particularly during the pandemic, she found that a lot of the youth use social media to get information, find support um, for some marginalized groups of kids. That was super helpful. And in a lot of ways, it really was a positive force. Um, and it really made me think that, you know, during these times that youth really do use the platform and can use it for very positive means. Yeah, I think that, you know, we were talking about social media earlier, but um, that was an area of study for me in, in my postgrad uh, work. And I see like so many benefits to it. Um, and I think some of it has to do with really how it's constructed uh, and a lot of how it, how prevalent and popular social media uh, applications or websites are constructed, it really benefits this sort of um, rapid response, the, the kind of things where you're like, I get to just, I get to push this button, I get to push this button, I get to, and it doesn't promote, um, you know, more critical thinking about a lot of what you're doing. And we talked a lot in, when I was doing that work about how you would design things if you really wanted people to have more um, sort of thoughtful and generative um, conversation and dialogue. But it, it doesn't work as well, for instance, when you really are wanting people to consume, 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 and, or click ads or that kind of thing. But uh, some of what you were saying reminded me, I was trying to think about what study it was, and may, I, I'd have to look and see if this had been sort of validated otherwise. But I remember there was a Margaret Mead study uh, on Samoa about the introduction of American television. Do you remember that? Mm -mm, I don't. I'll, I, I, I'll speak out of turn, and then you'll be mad at me. <laughs> to you. Uh, but there was, I feel like the, uh, you know, go, go look it up if you're listening to this to confirm, but they found really detrimental effects, uh, in particular on the girls, mm -hmm. uh, because for body image and things. And there's a lot that's been shown about that, even with Facebook's internal documents yep. and Instagram work now. Um, so I think it's really challenging. So it's just something that I know I wrestle with a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think in my conversation with her, you know, I say this for everything, like parental and family and caregivers' roles are super important, right? Um, that it's really about how do you then foster kind of the positive use of digital media and like what they found in you know their study was really if kids are super depressed or really anxious that it, it was a good platform and outlet to find support and to realize I'm not the only kid that feels this way there are lots of other kids that feel this way um, in some ways that was comforting so um, but then you know on the other hand it can make kids more depressed <laughs> And more anxious. So I think it's just about having those um, conversations with your kids. I do remember personally feeling pretty isolated and not as a as a teenager. As I started to get more access to things like forums on and um, different kinds of media that more I think accurately accurately represented me as a member of the LGBTQ community. That it did feel like a lifeline to know that there were, you know. Uh, other people of my age uh, or, or people who were older than me that had 
kind of gone through what I was going through. And I think about that a lot in, when I think about what I contribute to online and how I show up. It's an interesting thing to think about, you know, because we create programs, right, and products. And just from that kind of sense, you know, I think most of these platforms, in some senses, just house content, right? And it, it's you as a consumer that has to then go through the content and be a good consumer of it. But in some senses, I think, like, what's the responsibility of those platforms, right? Particularly when you're talking about children and youth. Vicki Rideout found this in her study, but there's lots of, you know, emerging evidence around just the growing rates of um, depression and anxiety among young people. And so I think that's just something um, we have to kind of think about in terms of are we contributing to that or going to help with that. What about you, Shauna? Well, uh, I am, I'm actually really excited for the episode that's coming up. As Tia referenced, Captain Compassion is our annual Bullying Prevention Awareness Month campaign. And for my episode this season, I talked to our new Captain Compassion illustrator. His name's Nick Butler, and he is phenomenal. He and I, we'd have the most interesting and I thought thought-provoking conversations while we were working on the comics. We talk about uh, the importance of intentionality when you're depicting black and brown and characters of color. And we also talked about how you should and, and ways in which to celebrate and support independent creators as a way of elevating more diverse voices. It, um, it was just, it was fantastic working with him. Every conversation was uh, rich and deep and I'm excited for the listeners to uh, learn more about him and the work that he's doing and hopefully check out our comic series and Tia Kim as our spokesperson. You know, interesting, I, um, so my younger son, Garrett, who's in elementary school, he's in fifth grade, um, his counselor came to school um, on Unity Day dressed up as Captain Compassion. What? And I was like, you know that's from us, right, Garrett? And he had no idea. <laughs> Clearly, I don't do my job very well. <laughs> but um, and I'm like, oh, let's look at the comics, right? And actually, we were looking at the comics, and the first thing he said is, who's the illustrator? They're really good. And I was like, ah, yes, it's Nick Butler. And I went oh, into this nice. whole thing. I'm like, yeah, he's great. Uh, your kids are tough judges, I know. so this makes I was me thinking very that happy. Too. <laughs> You can pass it on to Very Nick. happy. Like, yeah, my, I don't know where they get that from. My kids are tough <laughs> critics, I know. <laughs> yes, re representation matters, and Nick, he just knocked it out of the park. He's done a great job. What about you, Andrea? Well, it's interesting you're talking about folks, uh, you know, kind of coming home with things that we do, Tia, because I, I have had the benefit recently of my older child coming home and relaying um, lessons from our program to my younger child, which is super exciting. But also, um, you know, recently we started um, a book series w that by author uh, Theanne Griffith, who I had the pleasure of speaking to in one of our episodes. And w one of the exciting connections for us is uh, my kids both loved Ada Twist Scientist. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Those bo the series of books around that are so great. And Theanne um, had written a, a series of her own chapter books called the Magnificent Maker Series. And she was also supporting um, some additional guides or, or books that can go with the Netflix series for Ada Twist Scientist. So this was a really fun and exciting conversation for me to have. Um, and it's really, you know, they're science focused, but there's a lot there um, around curiosity and compassion and perspective taking. And so we had this great conversation about how we help foster a sense of curiosity in kids. 
and also, you know, why it's particularly important for her to be a role model for young black girls and show them that they can be successful scientists like she was, because she's not only an author, she's a very successful scientist that runs her own research lab. And that was um, just like a great time with a lot of connections to my home and my kids, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I was just having a conversation this morning with my husband about, you know, <clears throat> he works for a big technology company, but just talking about women in STEM. And, you know, and, you know, I'm a, like, I like to start things early on, you know, being a developmental psychologist. And I said, I think one of the key ways to get women really interested in STEM and diversifying kind of roles in STEM later on is you've got to get them really interested at a young age um, and to foster that pipeline throughout, right? There's at some point in time, particularly around middle school, where young girls just kind of don't, are not interested in STEM anymore, and then young girls of color in particular. So I think that's really great that... Um, we're doing that interview and learning about how we can kind of foster that a little bit more. Well, it sounds like we all had really fascinating, interesting conversations. I love that in some way, shape, or form, we're covering different aspects and angles of media. Our listeners, I feel, are definitely in for a treat. Thanks so much to the two of you. It's been great catching up with you both. And listeners... Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Kinder podcast. We're your hosts, Andrea Levenhill, Tia Kim, and Shauna McBride. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing the link with a friend or colleague who you think may enjoy it as well, or give us a rating or review in your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. These little things really do help us grow and reach new audiences and further our work to create a kinder, more compassionate world.